Greetings and salutations. Hi. I'm Josh Belcher. Get the super sauce. I'll change into my super suit. <laughs> this is Uncharted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all shapes, sorts, and sizes. This is Josh Belcher, the host of the Uncharted Podcast. And do we have a fantastic one lined up for you this week? Thank you for listening. We've got from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Mr. Jeffrey Cantor. He's going to be in Nashville April 16th through 18th at the ICCC Comic Con. We talk about that in his illustrious career in Hollywood. We also got Pastor Donnie Willis, who just recently wrote a book called Good Butter Best, talking about the time that he dressed up as a stick of butter for the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade and had a little witty banter with weatherman Al Roker that went viral and everything he's got going on in his life, being from Louisiana and now a permanent New Yorker. A special guest co-host, Pastor Brandon Skelton's on deck to help me navigate that interview. A blast. My week's been pretty good, uneventful, but sometimes that can be a good thing. Uh, you know, going to physical therapy, the arm motion's getting better. Um, you know, my scar tissue's healing up well. Very grateful for the staff and everybody at the Bone and Joint Clinic here in Columbia, Tennessee, helping making all that possible. Now, keep that in mind. That is not a paid advertisement on on my end. As a matter of fact, I'm actually paying them quite a bit of money, but nonetheless, great grateful that my arm is getting better. Now, I did go to Bell Buckle, uh, which would be yesterday. By, right by now you're hearing this podcast, which uh, was the first day of spring. And I thought in honor of Women's History Month, I would bring up Miss Maggie Vaughn. She is Tennessee's poet laureate and um, got to speak with her a little bit and talk about her illustrious historical career uh, in poetry and production. And as a songwriter, uh, she's written songs for Ernest Tubb, Loretta Lynn, Conway Twitty. One you may recognize is Miss Being Misses, which is on the Grammy award-winning album by Loretta Lynn titled Van Leer Rose. But enough yakety-yak. Let's go ahead and talk back, pun intended. And we'll get on with these interviews anyway. And like I said, thank you so much for listening. I'm so grateful to have you here. Welcome. Sit back, relax. Uh, let's, let's, let's get it going, okay? This is a COVID-free, safe, social distance environment. No COVID is going to leak through your earbuds, your ear pods, or however you are listening to the Uncharted podcast. So here we go. On this episode of the podcast, I was really excited to get to speak with actor Jeffrey Cantor. Now, you might recognize him as New York Bulletin editor Mitchell Ellison from the Marvel Cinematic Universe in both Daredevil and Punisher from the Netflix uh, episodic series. He's going to be at the ICCC Comic Con here in Nashville, Tennessee, April 16th through 18th. You can come meet him. But in the meantime, before we get to that, listen to this awesome interview that he granted me. Thank you very much. Sound like Elvis. I just want to say thanks for taking the time, uh, Jeffrey, for being on my podcast. Um, like I said, phenomenal voice. Well, thank uh, you. How about, how about I didn't make that too weird? But, um, well, uh, no, not too weird, just weird enough. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm, I'm a Comic-Con guy. I mean, you know, we're, we're all got a little bit of that uh, moniker. But um, anyway, let me tell you, this is kind of funny. I, I'm a big fan of the ICC Con in Nashville, and they had brought you up the same day um, I just had total shoulder replacement surgery, so I'm watching Bored to Death and literally just watched your episode and thought, you know, what a, what a great thing, and then, like, put the two and two together and was just like, wow, what are the odds? Uh, great performance there. Kind of made the oh, whole uh, episode. I yeah. loved, loved doing that show. Yeah. It, that it, it, yeah, it's a, it's such a great thing. I'm, I'm at the third season, and it's just like, wow, how, this was very creative. A guy that, uh, you know, works for potentially like a New Yorker-type-esque magazine and then he moonlights uh, as a unlicensed detective <laughs> yeah it's, it's a, it was a really goofy concept and uh what a cast oh my yeah, god great really cast. really fun to be in part of that sure but yeah did a great job and then of course you're coming to this convention because of your work in daredevil and punisher um you know we're really excited about that um 
when you took on the role of, of Mitchell Ellison, which is – it said you're a huge comic book fan. Did they make this character just for you for this show? Well, that's, that's a great question. First of all, um, congratulations on your shoulder surgery. I know you're very <laughs> excited about that. But it's funny. So the only reason I bring that up is um, – so I had just had uh, meniscus surgery. Wow. Um, about – two and a half weeks before this audition. And, and the Thursday, so the audition was on a Monday. And the Thursday before the audition, I slipped and fell in a subway um, in, um, in New York City. Oh my and, God. I dis- and I dislocated my shoulder, tore the labrum, and broke it in two places. So that was mm-hmm. Thursday. Then, then Friday, I went to my doctor, and he did an x-ray to confirm all the damage. I didn't have surgery till Tuesday. And Monday, I went in. And my audition, I did my audition. I went to the audition with my arm in a makeshift sling and, wow. and took the sling off. But if you watch, uh, I think it's episode three of season one. Yeah, and I'm in the office talking to Uric, right? So my first entrance is basically the audition. That whole scene was the audition. Mm-hmm. And if you'll notice, I'm holding a file in my left hand. So okay. my audition was I held that file so tightly in my left hand to keep my shoulder still. And if you watch, and my shoulder, I mean, I just had surgery. I'd show up to set with my arm. Are you in one of those super slings? Um, I was. I'm, I'm about a month deep. I got six more weeks of therapy. So yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you, but you know what I'm talking about, right? It's the sling yeah. with a little cushion under it. And, you, and, and I, I would go to set with that sling, and I'd need help getting on my shirt. I need help with everything. But I, wow. I shot season one while I was convalescing, convalescing, while I was going to therapy, physical therapy, and doing a play, um, uh, having just had surgery on my shoulder. So that's why I brought that up. So that is um, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, literally, I, I don't know what to say to that. As a person that's experienced it, you're you're more of a more of a fellow than I am. I mean, that's, that's loving your craft. Uh, well, that's also neat. Yeah, yeah you, you, it, it's funny, you know, the actors, we get a, like we, it, everyone thinks it's very glamorous and cushy. I can tell you, I have, I have worked under conditions that, that most people stay home that day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, believe me, I know when, when uh, mine for, for a few weeks, like I was, I was afraid to leave literally, you know, the, the, the mainstay of the house here because I didn't want anybody to bump into me. And yeah. you know, let alone an action-packed place like Daredevil, I couldn't imagine. Well, I can tell you the subway rides were, were always um, – it, it was – taking the subway to and from – you know, this a long time ago. Um, taking the subway to and from uh, work going on a, on the train was was um, a challenge every day. It's really wow. nervous-making. Um, wow. but, but to your point about um, – so it was interesting. So I read comics. I was not – I wouldn't say I was firmly in one camp or the other, but I think I leaned to the Marvel camp because there was something grittier about the stories. I think they still are, with the exception of some of the good Batman stuff that's out there. Um, and I was a fan of Daredevil, and I think I was a fan of Daredevil for the same reason why I liked the show we did so much, was that um, he doesn't have superpower superpowers. You know, like, he, he's not impervious to, to machine gun fire. He's not faster than a speeding bullet. He's a little bit like Batman, but without a cape. Right. He can't see. He cannot see. And, 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 right. So that so that he can't see. But also, I don't know if you remember the comics. He was Daredevil. He was a um, there's a time in in the circus, right, where like people go to the circus. No one goes to the circus anymore. But like high wire act acrobats. He was an act. Like if you remember the comic books, mm-hmm. a lot of what he did was really acrobatic, and so yep. one of his thing was not martial arts as much as it was this. He was like an acrobat. Yeah. And, and so I remember that really, really well in the comics. But what I loved about our show was you're dealing with a majorly flawed human being who's trying to find a balance between good and evil and right and wrong and morality and amorality and his Christianity. And Charlie was just so spectacular. So when I auditioned, though, I didn't know what I was auditioning for because they didn't tell you it was Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. And, and so I, uh, it was an untitled project. I knew the casting director very, very well, so I knew to trust it. Um, but also, uh, my character doesn't exist in the comic books. Yeah. So they did not write it for me, but, but, but I got to do a character that there was no 
precedent for. So once everybody knew it was Daredevil, there still was no precedent for my character. And I, st- I tried very hard to veer away from, you know, the, the editor from Spider-Man, who's really over the top, or the editor from, from the Daily Planet, you know, who's really over the top. There's, there's this stereotype of, of comic book editors, and I fought very hard against it wasn't written that way. I mean, Steve DeKnight wrote me a great character. I mean, it's a, he's a great character, and and all the all the um, like Doug and, and Marco and then um, Eric, all of them really took care of me and and um, allowed the, sort of the voice that we created in season one to sing. And uh, so I was very fortunate that I got to. I was one of the few people who really got to create a character out of nothing in that show. Yeah, and and you answered pretty much what my next kind of series of questions were because your character was so authentic, and you know I, I enjoyed it. I looked it up to see, you know, okay, what where did he tie into the comics? He didn't find anything, but like you said, you veered away from your J. Jonah Jamesons or or you know your people at the uh, Daily Planet and all that, and, and made it your own, and uh, and then like really mentored what was his uh, love interest in a lot of the comic book series uh, on the show as well. Yeah, I was, I was very, again, you know, I, I, I was very, very fortunate. And I think, um, you know, uh, the cast that I got to work with, I mean, I was only working with very few people. You know, I worked with, um, with Vondi and, and I worked with, uh, with Deborah Ann. Those were my primary people, mm-hmm. right? And um, that, that's a, in a way, I had a very simple job because I just had to have a good relationship and a good acting process with these two people and they were very easy to Deborah Ann Wally. I couldn't be a bigger fan. Her work is so good. She's so kind. She's so conscientious. And, and so is Vondi. I mean, both of these are, you know, really, really excellent actors. And so going into work was a real joy. And also like I didn't have I didn't have like other people have these late night things and in the rain and they're fighting and they're I, I didn't have too much. You know, I mean I had to act, but I didn't with the exception of season three, you know, I don't get injured. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm not in any huge fights. I, I'm not outside in the rain or the snow. Um, so uh, I was, I was fortunate that way too. I have to admit it was, um, yeah. yeah, it's very lucky. I had your own fight there at the beginning, which I appreciate the story. I'd have never known. Now I'm going to go back and I have to, I have to notice these little things, you know, like you said. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and you're talking about your acting, which is it's, it's phenomenal in its own right. But you know, before I got on here with you, I was um, I was looking at your reel, and you went toe to toe with old Robert De Niro, just like it was so comfortable. Most people would like not be able to do that, but you just you know nailed it. I don't know how to put it. I'm not an actor; I enjoy acting, but like you were so comfortable there with him. Like, what was that experience like? Because I mean, he's larger than life in his own. You know. He couldn't be nicer. He's extremely humble. He's he's just an actor, you know, I think you get, I would like to think that I've reached the point um, where, I mean, if I get nervous working with him, then I don't deserve to work with him, you know? Um, uh, But he was, he fixed my collar. He asked what I was doing. You know, he, he, I told him about daredevil. Um, But I've also, I mean, I worked with Glenn Close, you know, who's just as, you know, yeah. in damages. And that was, I mean, I had multiple scenes with her over the course of a couple of days, and mm-hmm. um, I, I worked with I've worked with a, a lot of very important, you know, Gabriel Byrne, uh, Judd Hirsch. I mean, okay. I, I've 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 worked with with you know Vincent D'Onofrio. I mean, they I've been thrown in to the pile with with a lot of really excellent excellent actors. I I, I somebody called me low key famous. <laughs> Right, That's pretty which, interesting. Which, yeah. which I don't think is inaccurate, you know. Um, uh-huh. But uh, I've been doing it for a long time, and and I, you get, I like to think you get to a certain point where everyone's just trying to do the work, you know. You're just sitting there and you're doing the work, and and he he never put on De Niro never put on airs. There was never anything. Seth Rogen didn't put on airs. John Hill didn't put on airs. It's like you know, everyone's just a you're just trying to do your job. Yeah, you know, and and that's uh, that's sort of what that was about a little bit, I guess, for me. I see. Well, you know, being a native of uh, Middle Tennessee, I'm, I'm sure you could tell by my accent. But uh, 
you know, we, we <laughs> see a lot of your musical artists, country artists and everything, and we don't think much of that, but, you know, like, like Hollywood and all that and Los Angeles and acting, it's, it's, it's very impressive because it's far away from us, so we don't get a lot of insight on it, so I appreciate you letting me know. Well, it's the same thing. I, would, I mean, are you a musician? Uh, I, I dabble. I used to be quite decent, but now that uh, the shoulders and everything are needing to be oiled, uh, not as much as I used to, but yes, I can play. But, but, I mean, so just imagine, like, you're a session musician in Nashville, right? And, and, and you know, somebody comes down, you know, Elvis Costello comes down to play. So you're just a, a, a guy, you know, can play freaking anything, but you're, you're a session musician in Nashville. You stay in Nashville, you eat in Nashville, you drink in Nashville. You're not going to be nervous to play with Elvis Costello, you know. I mean, yeah. He's a huge name, but but I think I think that's kind of what it is. I'm like I'm kind of like a session musician. I think that's not a bad bad way of putting it. You know, I'm I'm, I'm a session musician version of an actor. Well, I've watched you sing on YouTube and stuff. You've also got a great singing voice. Oh, well, aren't you? Aren't you sweet? Thank you. Uh, watch you sing The Doors. Thought you nailed that pretty well. Well, thank you. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping. I'm hoping there's a, a a young man, Jonathan Pushkar, who um I've been friends with, and we're think he he plays a lot of music down there, and um we're we're gonna see if in my if in my five days in Nashville, if I can bring my harp down and and I I can jam with somebody at some open mic or something and play some songs. Yeah, I so. hear you. Um, well, uh. There's a, there's certainly uh there's a great uh places down Broadway where you pretty much sit in with anybody. And then um here at the ICCCon, they usually have live music there too if you wanted to hop on stage. Well, I'm going to have to ask I'm going to have to ask the man to let yeah. me, you know. Michael <laughs> let me do that. Yeah. Um but I've only been to Nashville once. I was in Nashville Gosh, I want to say it was 2007. Wow. 8. Yeah. Um I was doing there's a campaign for kleenex i don't know if you remember but there was a campaign for kleenex called the let it out campaign and at one point the, the, there was a song by a band named star called let it out and that was the theme song of the commercial and they played at one of the venues um i, I couldn't tell you because i'm too stupid to remember but i got to um mc and so i i I, we did a little thing from uh, around Kleenex. It was a Kleenex campaign. We did a little thing, and then uh, I got to introduce this band. So that was my only time in Nashville. And um, I, I, I'm really, really, really looking forward to coming back. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we're, we're psyched to have you. And then plus, you know, little by little, this this pandemic, uh, they're, they're opening things. And uh, I hope there'd be a better experience, you know, not just uh, for, for you and everybody at the Comic-Con, but just for guests in general to get back out there and really – enjoy the city because it's taken quite a hit not only yeah. you know commerce and everything but we got bombed on christmas i so. remember oh my god that was so horrible <laughs> yeah I, I i thought it was a joke i woke up the next morning i was like somebody was like hey somebody just bombed downtown i was like are you kidding me luckily you know thankfully it didn't cause any major damage to humans other than the guy in the rv but still you know tore tore the block up pretty good Oh my God! Just, and, and I hear it's been rebuilt pretty quickly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing about uh, uh, Nashville and everybody, you know, being the volunteer state, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of people approaching the cleanup immediately, and yeah, it, it won't take long for everybody to be back on their feet in that aspect. And I'm very grateful because it was a lot of your mom and pop businesses, uh, you know, that took the hit, and that's what really hurts me the most. These people that are just trying to make a living, not not bothering sure. anybody, so. Well, I um I, I I hope it's back. Um, I am hoping I get my vaccine before I come down, but I have I've had it, so um, I'm feeling I'm feeling sick right now. Um, and uh, you know some of the other shows I've done because Comic Con, I know you know people like a lot of different shows. So I'm also in Grand Theft Auto Five. Cool. I played oh, I Beverly in Grand Theft Auto Five. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also in Maniac. I was also in The Tick. Yes. Um, and and um, I'm in Foundation, which uh, is a new, going to be a new Apple show based on the Isaac Asimov book series. So I was just um, filming that. So I, I, ha- I guess I have a little bit of Comic Con cred other than just the Punisher and Daredevil. I'd like I'd like to think so anyway. That's awesome. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And some other video games too, actually. That I'm that's neat. Uh, Daredevil and Punisher is the cast for for me because see, I'm 38. I, I I'm I'm more 
nowadays, if I play a video game, I'll sit there all day, so I kind of shy away from them, but I do appreciate them. (laughs) (laughs) What? I um and I saw it, which is it's on my list. Like I said, I've been watching a lot of uh, like a lot of streaming services with the injury. But American Pickles on my list, and you were talking about Seth Rogen. So is that is that a good one to watch? You're it, yeah, it's very good. I mean, I have a very small part. I didn't audition. They just asked me to play his dad. So it's 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 an important but very 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 small part. But uh, I think it's a very sweet movie. Yeah, you'll you'll enjoy it. On this episode of the podcast, we are proud to have Pastor Donnie Willis, author of the book Good Butter Best, talking about his time dressing up as a stick of butter to be a part of the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade, where he had some interaction with weatherman Al Roker that went viral. We talk about that and a lot more. Special guest co-host, the church comedian Brandon Skelton, was a part of this. It was fun and enlightening, and I hope you enjoy it. That's right now. Uh, Pastor Donnie Willis, uh, the infamous stick of butter that has taken the world by storm. Thank you uh, from uh, Josh and Brandon for being on the Uncharted podcast. Hey, thank you, guys. I'm really excited about um, going into some uncharted water with y'all. It's going to be fun. I love it. <laughs> love it. Well, hey, Donnie, it's, it's great to talk to you. Um, I've we have a mutual friend, Jonathan Nazarian, was the one who, who connected me in with your book. He, he sent it to me through Audible, and, and I just flew through it in a couple of days. Uh, just, you're such a tremendous storyteller. Um, so the book we're talking about for all our, our millions of fans out there is called Good Butter Best uh, by Donnie Willis. And Donnie is on the interview with us today. And so just to kind of give the origin story, the genesis of this Good butter best. Can you share with us the the Macy's Day Parade and how all these things just connected and and happened? That is kind of the, a foundation with this story about uh, making your dreams become reality. Yeah. Um, so a couple of years ago, my family my my family and I moved to New York, and we we pastor a church here, and there's a family in our church and. She works for Macy's, very uh, very hands-on with the parade. And I had another friend who lived in North Carolina at the time who reached out and said, hey, I know you have this connection with the Macy's parade. I would love to be in the parade. Do you think you could make that happen for me? And so I was like, you know, I'll, I'll ask. I don't mind asking anything. So I went to my Macy's friend. And I was like, hey, I've got a friend. Feel free to say no to this, but i got a friend who wants to be in the parade. Um, and more specifically, as crazy as it sounds, they want to be a stick of butter. Is that like even a thing? And <laughs> they were like, yeah, that's definitely a thing. We can make that happen for your friend and for you. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. No, I'm just asking for somebody else. And I'm like, oh, no, it doesn't happen unless you do it too. And so I agreed. And it was one of those things where I was like, you know, tell nobody that I'm about to do this. Because the last thing I want is for people to remember me as being a stick of butter running down Sixth Avenue. Um, <laughs> and but I, so so we're we're standing there at the beginning of the parade, dressed like a stick of butter. The 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 sirens go off. They have us running down the street saying hi to people. But we get to Columbus Circle right there in New York City, and and Al Roker, who's the uh, the a meteorologist for the Today Show, he's dropping all kinds of crazy lines about how crazy the weather is and how it's so windy, and it really wasn't that windy, but uh, <laughs> so coming around, and he sees the butter. He drops a butter line on me and kind of shoves me out of the way. Well, I didn't really want to be shoved out of the way without getting my two cents in, so I jump in front of him start yelling into his camera. He shoves shoves me again. I, I get on my way. I don't think anything about it. But then we make the turn. We're heading down 6th Avenue. You know, in New York, your avenues are running north and south. Your streets are running east and west. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that come to that parade. And there's and so what they've done is they have set up viewing areas in the in the streets 
So you've got people who are not on the avenue, but they're about, I don't know, 10, 15 yards in the streets. And so I was making jogs down the streets, high-fiving everybody in the streets, come back on the avenue. So I was like weaving in and out, which put me way behind my my group because, you know, rule number two after rule number one, which is don't interact with TV personalities. I've already blown that one out of the water. <laughs> rule, <laughs> rule number two is don't get behind your group. So now I've broken rule one. I'm breaking rule two right now, and I'm just trying to catch up. And I just so happened to run on Al Roker again. I had no idea he was on TV at the time. I was just thought he was driving his thing. I saw his cameraman sitting beside him. So I just throw my face in his camera, and I start yelling <laughs> at his camera again. Why in the world I did it, I have no idea. <laughs> Adrenaline was pumping. So I just start yelling at his camera, get out of his camera, finish the route. And as I'm, as I'm heading back, you know, we make the, the final turn. We're at that big green square that everybody knows about whenever they're watching the parade. My wife is sitting in the grandstands right there, and uh, she jumps down to the middle of the street. She throws up her hands. She goes, Donnie, what in the world did you do? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, babe, I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't I have no idea what you're talking about. You're going to have to be very specific because I've done a lot of things. <laughs> and she's like, all I know is we hear your voice. They keep talking about you. You did something. I was like, maybe that's why my back is vibrating. Because <laughs> I had taken my cell phone and I stuck it between my shoulder and the butter, and it had fallen in the parade. Oh, yeah, rule number three, don't bring your cell phone. Uh, that was stroke two. <laughs> that's fall, it's fallen down my back. It's sitting right on top of my rear end. And, like, so everybody sees me on TV twice, which means that my phone is going crazy. And I had hundreds of text messages and everything. I apparently broke Twitter in a positive way. Um, well, I say that half the people thought I was drunk. The other people thought <laughs> that um, <laughs> I should be arrested. <laughs> it was great. A lot of, I mean, you know, it's so easy to kind of uh, know everybody's motives whenever you got like a Thanksgiving turkey wing in one hand and a drink in the other hand. Like, oh, yeah, that guy's definitely drunk. But so that's where Twitter was at on it, and yeah. and I decided to defend myself a little bit on Twitter, and everything kind of blew up, and it was a lot of fun. So that's kind of the origin of the story. Yeah, that's that's a fa that's fantastic, and I like how afterwards, you know, there was a lot of wordplay. But uh, how did you feel when Al Roker called you, asked you if you were pasteurized as a pastor? <laughs> that was so great. He he definitely, I believe, he had a massive whiff. I, I can see the dude sitting up all night long trying to figure out every single butter pun out there. Yeah. <laughs> they well, were so great. They yeah, were so and then, great. And then, of course, going full circle on the Today Show and getting to do the weather, and you did it pretty much flawless. I mean, did you prepare? I had no idea that was going to be a thing. Um, wow. I went wow. I went back and watched it, and I was like, "Man, I butchered his his tagline." But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his is neck of the woods. You said area of the woods, didn't you? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's yeah, all right. We I, all knew, yeah, we knew where you were going. Well, I mean, See, you know, being the butter and the, the arch nemesis of Al Roker, it only makes sense you would butcher his tagline. <laughs> that's right. I had to make it a little butter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, awesome. But, yeah, that whole entire interview was 100% off the cuff. I had no idea what they were going to ask. I, I mean, everything was totally um, uncharted. And so ah. it was uh, – yeah, I got to throw a little plug in there. <laughs> but yeah. it was 100% off, off the cuff. Everything was, was, was just I, – I didn't know what they were going to ask. But they were very gracious and very kind. And um, I still have I still have quite a few friends that that worked there that I met through that experience, kept in contact with uh, with a couple of them, and really just become good friends. So I'm thankful for the experience because it's really opened up the door to some awesome relationships, met some awesome people, and uh, so yeah, it's been it's been a great experience. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, uh, you know, of course we're in Nashville, and we'd love to have you and host you and and, and get you some country food if you ever come down. Uh, have you ever been to Nashville, and is there anybody in this neck of the woods that you've ever wanted to um, 
intertwined with as far as like where you do interviews and everything as well? Oh man, I have been to Nashville. Love Nashville. I actually had an aunt that lived outside of Nashville for a while, and so I've been there. Been to the Grand Ole Opry. Loved the Grand Ole Opry. Uh, probably one of the coolest experiences um, that that I had. I love. I, yes, I I pastor in New York, so this might be a weird statement, but I love country music. <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I've got two. Um, I've got two stations set on my um, on my radio. One is Christian radio, and one is country radio. And I I switch back and forth depending on who has the commercial going at the time. Yeah, but well, I I really enjoy it. That's awesome. And if you ever uh, ever want to have a uh, comedy act up there in New York, uh, old Pastor Brandon Skelton here is the church comedian, and he'd love to come visit you and deliver some jokes. The good old country boy himself. I love it. I love it. You know, we need more comedy in our in our world. We absolutely need to laugh more. We can we can take life just a little bit too serious, and then we forget that hey, that it's not life is not as serious as we make it. Absolutely. And and you so can validate that. you validate that statement because that came from a man who's notorious as being a stick of butter. So. Um, <laughs> Anybody can say, let's not take things too serious. You, you are the one. Uh, you're the expert. Well, hey, I just want, want to bring just a kind of a few things in about your book, Good Butter Best. Um, yeah. I say, just read it, uh, loved it, and of course I got the audible. And I mean, this is a great storyteller, just the way you present things. Um, I like how, of course, I'm also a compartmentalized kind of person. I like how you finish off each chapter uh, with the three big ideas and the three big questions. Uh, this kind of a neat way just to kind of tie it all back in after after the information that's shared. Uh, but also, too, like, kick off the book, you, you hooked me from the very beginning when you brought in the stories of Walt Disney, uh, JFK, Martin Luther King, and just talking about that the phrase I pulled from the book was, they dream so big that the dream outlasted the dreamer. Uh, could you kind of explain that to our listeners, what you mean by that? And also, just on a personal thing, a question is, you know, what is a dream that you have that's still in progress itself? Sure. That was probably one of the biggest takeaways that I had whenever I was kind of researching the book. Because whenever I started the writing process, I didn't really know where it was going to go. I've heard, oh, well, you start with the end in mind. Well, that really wasn't my case. I just kind of wrote and saw where it took me. Uh, It was really a journey. And... That was probably one of the biggest takeaways that I had, that where the, the dream would outlive the dreamer. Because if you look at these people's lives, the examples that you mentioned, none of them, none of them saw their dreams come true. Uh, John F. Kennedy died before there was ever one step on the moon. And Walt Disney died before Walt Disney World in Florida, the Florida Project, was ever completed. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr., never saw his his children be able to enter into a school um of a multicultural multiracial school they never saw it but the dream was so big that it really didn't matter who dreamed it that that dream had to be completed and i think that those are the best dreams and i wrote in the book that about of the things that we think are repetitive. And so we've only got about 20% of ideas in our head that are new. And so we have to find these new positive ideas. And I think that that we can have them. But it's like, what can we do? What dreams do we have in our head that are going to be bigger than we are? Now, we can kind of be, if we're we're not careful, a very self-centered society where everything's about us. But I think that the dreams that, that last are the ones that are not about us, that have to live beyond us whether we are here or we are not here. And, you know, on a personal level, for, for, for me, I, as mentioned, I'm, past, I'm a pastor in New York, and um, I always wanted to, to – to, about 10 years ago, I'm going to – I'm going to use the word calling. I know that that can kind of sound like a scary word, but I, I don't I think it's just something to tell you that, you know, it's that dream, that the seed of a dream. 
it's an idea or a thought. And I thought that I was, you know, going to plant a church or grow a, build a church from nothing in New York City. And uh, we we got the opportunity like 10 years later to pursue that. And I kind of tell the story in the book. And And it didn't exactly happen, exactly like I thought it would happen. Sometimes I feel like it, the the idea that you have to become a that that you want to become your reality is the goal, but it's like you have to hit on a seventeen lane highway to get there. There's not only one lane to get you there. So it's like driving this highway and you got to weave in and out of traffic to be able to get there, but you just keep heading in the same direction. Our goal was to plant a church in New York. So. Right now, we're pastoring two churches in New York because we started one in uh, Manhattan, and then we have one in the suburbs uh, right outside of the city. And so that was like our dream and our goal. But I want to make sure that whenever I do exit the scene in some shape, form, or capacity, that there's a group of people that look at these two churches and say, whether Donnie's here or not, they have to continue. They have to. And so I think that that is, what is the one thing that you want to continue beyond you? And that is the thing that needs to stay in your mind. And that is the thing you put. What, what do you want that is so awesome that everybody around you says this has to continue whether they are here or not? And I think that that is what I mean whenever I say the dream has to be bigger than the dreamer. Wow, that's one of the deepest, most prolific thoughts I've ever heard in my life. Uh, thank you for sharing. Got me inspired. Um, I haven't got to hear the book yet. This is Josh, but uh, I was told uh, Sam Elliott narrates it. Is that true? <laughs> oh, that would be wonderful. That would be <laughs> wonderful. But if you listen to the book, you're getting my voice. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. i got one more question we want to bring to you yeah. here, here yeah. for our, our interview. Um, and then I've, I've got a separate one I'm going to um, keep you on the line for. But um, you talk about the growth cycle of the dream and is that something that you could kind of elaborate on and kind of also a phrase and i loved and and i took away from uh the book as well as bloom where you're planted um so if you could just take a minute kind of give our, our listeners a breakdown of the growth cycle of a dream and then you know, build on that that bloom where you're planted concept absolutely so the growth cycle of the dream i i debated on whether i would call it the life cycle or the growth cycle and that and in my mind i just kind of Take a trip down memory lane back to the magic school bus. You know, remember the water cycle with collection, evaporation, condensation, participation. And, and and so, and I was like, no, it's not a life cycle. It's a growth cycle because it never stops. If we think about it, all of us have a thought. The thought begins with, I think I can do this, or I think I can do that. And it's just thought, I think I can. And then you make the decision because you have to decide something. You have to make a decision on the thought. Is this something I'm going to pursue or is this not, not going to pursue? And if it's something worth pursuing, then you have to believe it. Because if you don't believe in what you're doing, nobody else is going to believe. For example, you guys believe in your podcast or you wouldn't produce this podcast. But if you didn't believe that it was worth listening to and worth promoting and worth really pursuing, nobody else is going to believe in it either. And so you got to believe in it. And then from that belief, you really begin to throw yourself into action. Okay, it's not just a thought anymore. It's not just something that I believe in, and it's not just something I've decided to do. I'm going to actually take a step and make it happen. What do I need to do to actually make this happen? And whenever you have your actions, it turns into your reality, and it is a new reality. It's something that you – it's tangible. The idea has become something that's real and tangible, and then that new reality will spawn a new thought and lead you toward a new reality. So really, it is a dream or a thought all the way to a reality, and hopefully that the book makes people think, okay, what do I want? Do I believe in this, and what do I need to do to make it happen? It's kind of like the story of five frogs sat on a log, four decided to jump off. How many frogs are still on the log? Answers five, and the reason why is because a decision really doesn't mean much if there's not action behind it. And so hopefully the book kind of pushes that uh, that direction. And so 
That's kind of what I mean by the growth cycle of the dream. And I just so talk so long on the growth cycle of the dream. I don't remember what your second question was. <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's a phrase that I think I think it jumped out to me because it's something I had to get intentional about at the time back then. It's a bloom where you're planted because, yeah, you know, sure. I'm, I'm a church planner, you know, done comedy. I, I, I like entrepreneurial things and starting things. But also, too, sometimes I struggle with the, yes, I'm in the present right now, but I think about, well, it's going to be better when I get way over there. And I kind of mm-hmm. miss the, the moments in the now. Yeah. And, and that was something in my 20s that I had to come to realization that I was doing. Um, but, yeah, yeah that phrase, yeah. Bloom where you're planted, uh, I'd just like you to kind of build on that for just a moment. Yeah. I'm going to use my wife's story here. So my wife is um, – well, she's married to me, and I, I feel sorry for her for that sometimes. <laughs> but um, whenever we moved to New York, we had made the decision that she would. We at the time we had two kids, and she was pregnant with a third. And we made this, our, and our oldest right now is six. He's about to be seven, but he's oldest is six. And um, we made the decision she wasn't going to go back into the classroom because she was a teacher. But she takes our young, uh, our oldest one, to preschool. Uh, a, a, a preschool parent night and we go and the principal of the school was like guys we 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 it, you know it's a christian school about five minutes from our house which is rare to find in new york honestly and they're like guys we need y'all to pray our fifth grade teacher is um retiring and uh we, we need somebody to fill that spot so Ashley comes home, and she's like, Donnie, they need a fifth-grade teacher. I was like, yeah, we talked about it, but and you said that you weren't wanting to go back into the classroom. She's like, yeah, but they need a fifth-grade teacher. And so she goes, she takes the job. They they hire her. And she, but and even though she was in the classroom, her mind wasn't there. Her heart wasn't there. She was looking for 3 o'clock. I want to go home. It's like, I want to be with my kids. I want to focus on church stuff. What am I doing? Why did I do this? I shouldn't have done why, why? Why did I do this? Why did I make this decision? And then she had a box of things that she was wanting to hang up in her classroom. She was behind the eight balls. School had already started. She hadn't decorated her classroom. She opens this box, and she pulls out a plaque. And on the plaque is the words, bloom where you're planted. And she said, I felt so convicted. She said, I just felt convicted because I wasn't giving it everything I had whenever I was here. I can give so much more. I can do so much more. And this is apparently where I'm supposed to be. And since this is where I'm supposed to be, I'm going to give it everything I got. And so she did, and she started giving it everything she had. And a year and a half later, she's now the principal of the school. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and she's done a phenomenal job. She's a great leader. She's awesome. And But she just gave it everything she had where she was at. Now, with our story, yeah, our goal was New York. But the first job that I got outside of college was to be a youth pastor in a town called Wisner, Louisiana, of about 900 people. Definitely very far away from New York. Yeah. But here's what I <laughs> what I learned there was even though I wasn't where I thought that I would end up, I was going to fall in love with where I was. And I was going to have a mindset of where I was. I was going to have that town's mindset in me, and I was going to learn everything, and I was going to be moldable to it, and I was going to let it mold me. Because wherever you are, people are there, and people are the most awesome thing that God ever made. They're the craziest thing that God ever made. (laughs) They're wonderful. People's just the best. And so it doesn't matter where you are if you just right where you're at, so you know what, this is where I'm at, and I'm going to be amazing right where I'm at. And if you're, and if you just kind of bloom where you're planted, it's easier. I don't know if you guys know anything about, I know nothing about gardening, but I know that we have a rose bush, and my wife wanted me to move the rose bush. And it was much easier to move the rose bush after it had already bloomed <laughs> than trying to remove a seed. Yeah. And so if we want to be transplanted somewhere else, we have to be able to to grow right where we're at. And so never begrudge where you're at. Look at it as, man, this is the opportunity that I have right now, and it is amazing, and I and it's great to be here. And so that's kind of what I meant by bloom where you're planted. That's well said. I had a quick question about being a southern man in a northern state, but I think you just <laughs> elaborated on it perfectly with that statement. Yes, sir. Yeah, that has been fun. 
So I'm standing at a at a at a subway, and I'm and I, I see a group of ladies walk up. I open the door. I just stand there and I just open the door and I let them go through the door. Now, when I say subway, I'm not talking about the sandwiches. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm standing there holding the door. The, the group of ladies walks through. One of them turns back around, looks at me, and goes, "Not from here, are you?" And I'm like, it's "Like, sure I am. I'm a local." <laughs> She's like, no, but you're not from. I was like, I'm from Louisiana, but I'm a local, and it's like I'm trying to change the culture here. <laughs> but it has been wonderful, and uh, you know, people are people wherever you're at. People have the same emotional needs. They, they, they're people are busy. People are, people are awesome. It doesn't really matter what state you're in. As as one country I said, but I do live with a southern state of mind. <laughs> and hey, um, hey man, I had to say amen. <laughs> yeah, you can take you can take the man out of the south, but you can't uh, take the south <laughs> out of the man. That's right. Uh, that's right. Uh, well, anyway, the other way. <laughs> Pastor, thank you for being so generous with your time and so insightful. Um, we're getting ready to wrap up, but Brandon has uh, he he had one question for you that's exclusively for his. Uh, site and his comedy and Patreon and all that. So if you would indulge us, he's about to take over this last one. And when we're done, uh, we'll be finished. And thank you so much. Yeah. Hey, thank you guys for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll do it again. It was a blast talking to you. You've got me motivated to be uh, better than uh, uh, better than when I came in. I'm in better condition. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, thank you. And, uh, I'm in better condition. <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody wants to, to get the book, they can it's on Amazon and on my personal website, which is DonnieWillis.com. Absolutely, and we'll, we'll promote it again when we release this podcast, and we'll send you the link. Perfect. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, Donnie, I'm just, uh, one of the questions I would like to ask just for our exclusive is yeah. you to kind of explain. It. Me and Josh have talked about your hot potato concept, and, and it's just so insightful, inspiring, uh, encouraging, and I would just like you to just take a moment uh, just kind of let the listeners hear what this, what you mean about the hot potato and just how it, that can relate to where we are, what we're doing, and, and God's big plan for our lives. The hot potato is actually a concept that I kind of uh, took from my grandfather. Anytime that, you know, the, he, he, my grandfather had a way of keeping your feet on the ground, and and he would remind you, that's a hot potato. Anytime that there was a a situation or something of excitement or a, a depressing moment or just a moment in your life that just seemed to be so overwhelming. He said, oh, that's a hot potato. I mean, you have to hold it for the moment, but you don't want to hold on to it enough where it burns you. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to let things go. Whenever it comes to this butter stuff, I love it. It's a lot of fun. I'm really embracing this moment. I love every podcast I get to do. I love every interview. I love writing the book. I love all the interviews. I love the parade. But I know that one day I'm not going to be in the parade. One day the interviews are going to stop. One day the podcasts are going to stop. I realize that all of those things will come. It doesn't stop me from loving this moment. But I don't allow those things to literally become my identity. Because it's a moment in my life. It's not the totality of my life. And, you know, whenever I left the parade, I went and sat, I believe it was was at an Italian restaurant with my family. I kissed my kids. I kissed my wife. I loved them. I was bad. Whenever I walked away from the Today Show interview, and then I went and did another interview with a local newspaper, uh, I mean a local news station, I walked away from those interviews, and I went and got in my car, and I went and sat in kid pickup line to pick up my kids from school, and I was dad. And, like, I didn't allow those moments to become so great that I didn't remember, hey, they're, they're, they're fun and embrace it. But don't forget the most important thing. Don't forget the hey, there's a whole big picture of your life. Don't just get stuck in this one area. And so I think that's really what I mean whenever I say hot potato. The, think of the hot potato like a moment. Um, you know, I received a text message from somebody who 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 had lupus, and they were battling with that, and it became their entire world. But then, whenever they watched the interview and they heard me say the hot potato thing, they they're like, "Oh yeah, I have 
have kids that love me. I have a spouse that loves me. I, I've got all of these uh, wonderful things. So I can't allow this one thing to consume me. And I think many times we can get very narrow in our view. And we say, oh, well, this is, and that becomes the, 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 the we, we can't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes we have to just stop, take a step back and say, you know what? God has given us so much and we are so blessed and life really is good and everything is going to be okay. And, and we're, we can't pigeonhole ourselves on one moment to define us whenever there's a whole lot more to us than just that one thing. And so that's, that's what I was trying to portray and trying to communicate whenever I said uh, hot potato. And that wraps up another thought-provoking, world-renowned edition of the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast. Special thanks to my guests, actor Jeffrey Cantor, Pastor Donnie Willis, the Butterman, Stick of Butter, and guest co-host, the church comedian Brandon Skelton for lending all their talented and talents, uh, and it was a great interview uh, session on both ends. Had a blast, and most importantly, thank you, the listener, for taking the time because without you, this would be pointless. And I'm so grateful to have you and welcome you back every time with open heart and open mind and open wallet and open whatever. Uh, and we're getting closer and closer to episode 100. And like I said, I got a little bit of swag, some little knickknacks, got some buttons, got some keychains, got some stickers that would look good anywhere you place them. Place them on other people's cars. Mercedes-Benz, Cadillacs, you know, Teslas, whatever you find. They, they go with everything. They, they don't hesitate. They don't discriminate. Um, they just fit in where they get in. So if you want any of this stuff, it's free to you. Just hit me up. I'll either mail it to you or if I see you in person, I will hand it to you. Whatever tickles your pickle floats your boat. Well, anyway, just remember, have a great, safe, awesome week. This is the first week of spring. And remember, I love you for you and where you're at in life. Josh Belcher, Uncharted Podcast. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you on the flip side during the high tide next week. All right, everybody. I'm out.